educators, we know you all are working hard day in and day out to meet all your students' needs. The SCDE Office of Personalized Learning wants to celebrate you and the work you're doing. We want to help tell your stories, share your processes, and the artifacts you create as you work to put students at the center of their own learning, but we can't do it without you. So send us your celebrations, stories, processes, or artifacts to personalizedlearning at ed sc.gov, tag us on Twitter at Personalized SC, or reach out to your Office of Personalized Learning Regional Coach at personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. We can't wait to see what you send our way. It's time for Making It Personal a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Beach, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. Her name is Tammy Crago, and she is a third grade teacher from Bethany Elementary School. Tammy, I'm so glad to have you on our podcast today. I'm going to give you a moment to just introduce yourself to our audience, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Well, thank you for having me today. My name is Tammy Crago, and I'm a third grade teacher at Bethany Elementary School here in Clover, South Carolina, and I teach all subjects. How long have you been teaching? This is my 20th year of teaching. Ooh, awesome. So, yeah, it's been quite a while. Yes. <laughs> well, we're here to talk to you about learning pathways and as we were talking a little bit before um, our episode started, uh, pathways can sometimes be a very daunting thing for teachers to engage in. So could you start by telling us a little bit about how you got started with pathways in your classroom? Sure. I think it was about five years ago when Clover School District started their uh, personalized learning initiative. And at that time, I had the opportunity to go visit some schools that were outside of our district, as well as schools that were in our district. And I also had the opportunity to visit other teachers in my building and outside of my building who had already started um, personalized learning and doing pathways. Well, I was very happy to see, as well as other teachers I went with, that the pathways they were using, the things they were doing in their classrooms, wasn't all that different than what we were already doing. So that was exciting. I knew I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I just had to modify the will. Um, and modifying that will made it a lot better for me and for my students. So we know that there are a lot of different ways that you can create a pathway and pathways can look very different. I think it's really cool that you said after your visit, you saw that a lot of things that they were doing were bits and pieces of what you were doing. So how did you, I guess, get started or what was your process in determining once you got back, how you would actually get started with pathways. I had already been doing um, pathways, but just not, like I said, not calling them pathways at the time. But what I did was I continued to um, pre-assess or pre-test my students to see what they knew and what they did not know, where they needed to go and where they needed to grow. I continued to develop, share, borrow, get ideas 
that helped my students to get where they needed to be academically, making sure that those activities that they did, those pathways that they would complete would still be fun and engaging for them, but yet simple enough for me to be able to follow along and make sure they were growing where they needed to go. Um, And then uh, after I implemented those activities and put them together, I always made sure that I post-tested the students to make sure that growth was achieved at the end. Now, you mentioned at the beginning that you teach all subjects. Yes. Are you implementing pathways in all of your subjects? And if not, where did you start as far as subject is concerned? That's a great question because I think that's important for everyone to start where they feel comfortable. Hmm. Um, At the time when I started Pathways, I was only teaching math and science at that time. Um, Now I'm teaching all subjects. I started with math because math is my passion. I knew I already had a lot of activities that I could use for Pathways for my students. I had a lot of pretests and things that I could pull from to see where they were and where they needed to go. So I started, I think everyone should start with something that they feel passionate about, that they feel comfortable with, um, and something that's, that's exciting for them as well as for the students. Now, how did you go about making sure that the pathways were just right for each of your students? When I start a new skill or standard or unit, uh, I look after I have pre-tested the students and see where they need to grow. I go to my drive. I go to things that other teachers have shared with me, things that I have gotten from different collaborations that I went to and look at how those will match up with my students. I also try to make sure it's really important to make sure you have different pathways that will engage all of the students. Like I try to have some paper and pencil pathways. I try to have website pathways like they might do lessons on iknowit.com or quizzes.com, both which check their work right away, let them know what they've gotten right, how they can learn from their mistakes. And I also try to have some activities for them that are engaging, things that they can design and create to help them to grow. So the different students are different styles of learning. They'll all have something to choose from that is something that they enjoy doing, but yet they're still learning while they're doing that activity that they enjoy. I love that. I hear you saying that basically you just offer a variety of choice for students as they are entering into their learning experience so that they can really tap into the things that are going to help them to be as successful as they can be. Exactly. And before, after they've had that pretest, before they start their pathways, I've had a short conference with them. Now that conference is not something that's time consuming, real time consuming for either of us. Um, While I'm checking their morning work, maybe in the morning, and when I'm working with them at small groups, we will just take that last minute to look at where they struggled and talk about their goals for where they want to go after we have our pathways. And they will, I will, I will help them to understand where they need to start, but they get to pick and choose where they start and where they finish. And then when they're done, they'll take a post-test. And the growth, a lot of times I've noticed since I started doing pathways, the growth is amazing. So they're working on their own. They're becoming independent learners. I'm walking around and monitoring them and helping them as they're working. So if they need me, I'm still there to give them that support if they need it. Now, we know that there are still going to be those students (laughs) 
that if you start off really, really slow at the beginning of the year, start off and maybe when I, when I started at the beginning of the year, I usually don't give them as much choice right? as of course they would have now, but there are still going to always be those students, even at this time of the year who might need me to say, okay, you're going to start and you're going to do pathway one, four, six, and seven first, and then you can choose what other pathways you go to. So it really depends on the student. Awesome. How do you go about keeping it very simple in terms of the design and also how you're implementing it with students? When I was visiting other teachers, I saw all these fancy choice boards and these wall wall standards and work. And that I I think it's important that you design your pathways so that they fit you and they fit your students as well. I'm kind of a simple girl. So usually what I do is once I have my pathways designed, and that's not time consuming either, like I told you, I usually pull from things that I've used in the past, things that fit my students that I have used before and I know they'll be successful at. And then I just list those pathways on the on the board, on the whiteboard. For example, I might say number one, I know it.com, complete lessons, back carpet. So they know that if they're doing pathway number one, they're going to complete the lessons in iknowit.com and they're going to do that pathway on the back carpet. I usually have between um, six and 10 pathways and let the students know that there's never to be any more than two to four people at a pathway, depending on what that pathway is. What I do is after I have the pathways on the board, the students take a picture of that the board with their um, iPad. They have a screenshot. So then as they complete the pathways, they just check them off, the ones they have. To, and they, some of them, I will say to them, like, if you're a student who needs a little more guidance, I might say, I would like you to start and do pathways two, four, and five first. So they would just circle those numbers, and they know that's where they have to go first, and then check those off. Uh, if we stop our pathways at the end of the class, they just star the pathway that they stopped at. So when we start again on our pathways the next day, they know exactly where they started and exactly where they stopped. That is a really cool way of doing that. And I had never heard of or seen that before, but I think that's really awesome. And it speaks to what you just said, which is you have to do what works for you and you have to do what works for your students. And as a follow-up question to what you just shared, how long might a series or a list of option paths be on your board? So for example, if you start off, with a particular unit or or um, lesson, and you have maybe eight different choice options for folks to choose, those are the paths. How long do students have to complete those different tasks? Well, um, it really depends because it depends on how many different skills those pathways are covering. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do pathways as a review for a unit before they do the fine the the ending diagnostic. And you might only have four pathways that you have to complete, and another student might have to complete all eight pathways. So I, it's, um, I also have what I call enrichment activities in my classroom for when those students who are done and they've mastered it, they pass the post-test. So what are they going to do next? Then that's when I, the enrichment activities come in. For example, when we did our geometry pathways, the students who finished their pathways who were done got to go to the back table and they got to create a person, a place, or a thing um, using anything they wanted to that was on the back table. They got to create a person, place, or thing out of as many geometric shapes as they could. 
two-dimensional shapes and three-dimensional shapes. So that was their enrichment activity. So they didn't have to stop learning. They got to continue their learning. They got to design. They got to create. And they got to be challenged. So it, it, as far as time goes, it depends on the child. It depends on how many pathways they're going to be completing. Now, I think that a teacher could say, today we're only going to work on pathways for 15 or 20 minutes, set a timer, star the pathway you stopped at, and then the next day they'll start pick up at that pathway again. So I guess whatever works best for your students in your classroom. Okay, awesome. So let's walk through uh, what a typical day might look like at, for a student if they're navigating. Let's say I'm a student in your class. How might um, I navigate this pathway experience as a student? So if you were in my classroom, you would, before we start on our pathways for the day, I just give a quick once over, review any little blips that I may have noticed the day before and a few reminders. I also remind them that I have, I call them direction dots in my classroom. They're just dots to dive right on and wipe off that say, don't forget to write in complete sentences. You know, don't forget to put your name on your paper. Turn your paper into your finished work folder when you're done. So I would remind them of all those little things. Then they would take their iPad with their screenshot of their pathways, and they would go to the pathway where they were supposed to be, knowing that maybe that day there was only allowed to be three people at each pathway. Um, Of course, if somebody's just wandering around a room, they know that if they don't pick their pathway, I get to pick their pathway for them. So they would go to the pathway. A lot of my pathways I like to use are self-checking. So that they they do it, they check their work, they scan a QR code or on a website, it'll check their work for them and they can see what they got right, what they got wrong. They can ask for help if they need it. They can adjust and modify. When they're finished, they get up and they move to their next pathway. And we continue doing that until our time is up. They start at the end of the day, they star which pathway they were working on. So they'll know where to start the next day. Awesome. I would really enjoy being in your class with that kind of setup. That sounds really... Oh, well, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> <laughs> There's children everywhere because yes. I do free seating as well. So um, I have three different carpets in my room, two small and one big. Okay. So there's usually, And I set my kids up in groups. So there's usually an activity at each of the five groups and then maybe one at the back table and one at each carpet. So it sounds like you're giving them a lot of autonomy and just ownership, which is a big thing that we try to encourage folks to do. Like that student ownership piece is huge when it comes to students really achieving mastery and really enjoying the process of learning, not just, you know, school just happening to them. And, And we, of course, we didn't start off that way at the beginning of the year, right. take little baby steps at first. Right. You know, I start off by basically the first pathways I ever do are review pathways. It's for after I've taught a unit, I do review pathways to get them ready for the, for the post assessment at the end. It's a way for them to start choosing. I'll choose some for them and they get to choose some, but the more we do, the more they, they practice, the more ownership they take in their learning. You mentioned that students are getting a chance to go from one pathway to the next based on where they are in their particular learning journey. How do you check in with students throughout the day? I heard you say that you do small groups. Is that the only way that you check in with students or are you floating? Tell us a little bit more about that check-in process just to make sure students are on the right track. Right. So what I'm doing while they're working on their pathways is I'm just floating around the room monitoring 
and adjusting as we need to, listening in on their conversations, looking over their shoulder at their work. But I also have my my iPad or my computer where I can, if they're working on quizzes.com or I know it.com or whatever website they're on, I can look really quickly and see how they're going along in their pathway. Um, If they're working on paper and pencil, when they're finished with their work, they put that. I have two big um, charts in my room where they have each have a folder and those are called their finished work folders. So when they finish their work, they put it in there. So as they're working, I can just pluck their paper out of their finished work folder, look over it very quickly. And then, or when I grade papers, look over work at the end of the day, the next day during small groups, I will touch base with them and say, hey, I noticed that you were having trouble with this pathway. Let's talk about what we need to do differently today before you start your pathways. So just, I would say that most of it is, most of the adjusting and modifying is as I'm walking around the room and monitoring as they're working. Most of it's done with then. Some of the conferencing is done during small groups. Thank you for sharing that. My last question for you is, what advice would you give someone who is either a just getting into learning pathways with their students, or what advice would you give someone who's kind of already underway with their pathways? Well, I would give both of those teachers the advice to um, not to be afraid to start learning pathways. It's not much different than probably what you were already doing. It's just you have to start small, choose a subject and content that you love, use what you already have or what you have been given from other people, what's available to you online that's free, that you know will be fun and engaging for your students, but yet simple enough for you. You don't have to make it beautiful. You don't have to make it pretty. You just have to make it fun and engaging and easy for you to be able to help your students the best you can. It's all about meeting the kids where they are and helping them to grow to where they need to be. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. Now, if there are, if there's anyone um, out there who's listening and they really want to get in touch with you to either ask you more questions or just to follow your learning journey, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, you're uh, welcome to call the office at Bethany Elementary School, or you're welcome to email me at tammy.crago at clover.k12.sc.us. And I will be happy to help or give you any advice or give you ideas or activities. I'll help in any way that I possibly can. There was one more question that just came to mind. What are your next steps now that you are engaged in Pathways and you found this really cool way of just making it work for you and your students? What's one thing that you want to do moving forward um, with your students? Well, I have challenged myself this year to, because I told you I used to just teach math and science for many, many years. And for the last two years, I've been teaching all subjects, first virtually and now in person. So I've challenged myself this year to do more pathways in other subject areas like reading, science, and social studies. So I've already done some pathways in reading this year and they've gone wonderful. So, you know, once, once you get one subject down, it's all much easier after that. So um, now we will be doing more pathways also in science and social studies. That is excellent to hear. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. I've really enjoyed this and I know our listeners have too. Um, So we'll be right back to close things out. 
Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizedsc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!